The Cat and Cloud Coffee Podcast is brought to you by Wilbur Curtis. They make coffee brewers. Ever heard of them? If you haven't, you should. They're an awesome family-owned company. They're here in California. They power their facility with solar power, which I hear that's like a new hot thing that progressive people do. The best thing about Curtis, in my humble opinion, is the turnaround time on the brewers. They have a 24-hour turnaround. It's phenomenal. If you've ever ordered a brewer for a wholesale client from someone else and waited and waited and waited for it to come in, you know how frustrating that is. So being able to get the brewer next day like that is absolutely amazing. Shout out to you, Wilbur Curtis. Their customer service is phenomenal. And they just care. They care about you. They care about me. And I care about them. And that's why Cat Cloud Podcast is brought to you by Wilbur Curtis. On with the show. Happy Friday, everybody. It's Baca here. I'm riding solo again. Jared is still on vacation. I think he comes back Sunday. Jared, we miss you. I know everybody out there misses your voice. This is way more fun to do with you. Please come home. I'm just sitting here staring at my cat and just feeling sorry for myself. So how about that? Quick little bit of housekeeping. Tomorrow is our Latte Art fundraiser throwdown for Evan Morris and Calavera Coffee. Six o'clock doors open at our 3600 Portola Drive location, east side Santa Cruz. Pour start at seven, $10 buy-in. We got a lot of the pregame early bird sign-up filled out. So if you want to pour, get there early, get your name on the list. All of the proceeds from the buy-in go to Evan's GoFundMe. He's opening up a specialty coffee shop in his hometown of Hollister, California. And we're just trying to help a brother out and you can be a part of that. If you buy merch, part of the merch proceeds are going to go over there. And there's going to be a donation table, which is what I kind of recommend. You know, just pay straight into his GoFundMe, hook him up if you want to come, but you don't want to pour, you just want to hang out, that's chill. We're going to have a taco truck for the first hour, roughly. There's going to be some beer there. We got some kegs coming and it's going to be a lot of people in the mix. Olivia has done a great job organizing the whole thing. I pretty much haven't done anything. Maybe I posted some pictures on Instagram. Maybe I put some stuff on Facebook, but she wrangled a whole squad and they're crushing it hardcore. So I'm really excited for everyone to come. I'm anxious not in that nervous way, because I know it's going to be rad, but in that this is like our first kind of public coffee event that we're having. So it's that your friends are coming over for the first time kind of way and you want everything to be really rad. So I know it's going to be rad, but these are just these, are just these feelings that I'm, that I'm sharing with you. Biggest news of yesterday, probably the week, maybe the month, is that Nestle acquired a majority share in Blue Bottle Coffee. Seems like it was 68% for about $500 million. I made a little video on my thoughts because it just seems so relevant and fun. So I'll put a link to it down there. And I don't want to go into it too much right now because I really want to talk about it with Jared because I think he'll have some interesting insight and it'll be some really good conversation. But what I will say is while I know a lot of people have really strong feelings and really strong emotions about this, I would encourage everyone to approach it with just a little bit of consideration, specifically for the people who might work for Blue Bottle and think about how they might be feeling. And I know a lot of people have these really big problems with Nestle, and I know a lot of people have these really big problems with huge corporate buyouts and it just doesn't feel right and that's fine. But some of the stuff that I've seen in the media and some stuff that I've seen directed toward individuals who don't have anything to do with 
high level management or ownership, they're baristas, they're people who just love working at Blue Bottle, they love their employer, they've had nothing but good experiences and some stuff, a little bit of shade that's being poked at them, it just doesn't quite sit right with me. So I'm just going to encourage everybody to think about everyone else as just a human first and not as a part of this big huge thing that's going on like these are other people so let's be thoughtful with our language and let's just think about how what we say can you know bring people down or lift people up and i'm all about keeping it real i i totally respect that but i think as much as possible in this community that we're in this tight-knit community it just it goes so much further if we can use most of our energy to bring people up and do things that are positive. All right, this episode is dedicated to Sam. Sam is one of our employees, and I've actually known Sam for a really long time. We used to work for the same company, although we didn't really work together. So even though I've known him for a long time, I feel like I'm just really getting to know him now. And Sam is a thinker. He's really talented behind the bar, and he's really talented with people. And his brain is working 24-7. Sam was part of the leadership retreat that we had in Chico. And at that retreat, everybody on the leadership team identified goals for themselves that fit in with the company. And Sam's goal was to find his sweet spot, to figure out the place where he's going to have the most impact on his organization and just kind of figure out the right job fit. And I think this was a really great goal and it's a really important thing to think about because I don't think a lot of people think about it until it's too late. I certainly didn't. And what I mean is this. Everybody's got some intrinsic motivation for getting up out of bed in the morning. Everybody has these core personality traits or core philosophies that just make you who you are as a person. These things drive why you do what you do. These are the things that kind of empower you and make you believe that you can change the world. And these things, they speak to us on just this like deep, crazy, ethereal level. And a lot of times, these things get lost in the context of work or in the context of an organization. So you have these big motivators, these big things that drive your life. You go to work, clock in, and once you punch that time card, you kind of switch. Your philosophy switch, your ideas switch, and you're not thinking about what you need to do for yourself, but you're thinking about what do I need to do for the organization, or actually more accurately, what does the organization expect from me in this job position. And what the organization expects is absolutely important. But I think in the best version of the world, the two things are married and working together. And the only way to make those things work together is to be aware of what those things are for yourself and figure out how how you can kind of get there. So here are a few things that I think about when I'm trying to think about the things that motivate me, think about where I want to spend my time, think about where I'm going to have the most impact. The first thing, although it seems just really kind of obvious, is to actively think about your passions. And it's really easy to forget the things that motivate you and start focusing on what you think you need to be or focusing on how are you going to fit into this box or how are people going to perceive me? And it's really easy to lose your sense of self. One exercise that I do, and I didn't make this up. I totally stole this. All these ideas, I'm pretty sure I stole from somewhere else. So none of this is is my doing, but it's been really useful to me. So the first thing that you can do is when 
people ask you what you do, if you're meeting new people, don't reply with your job title. Reply with what you're passionate about. So don't let your job define you. And this is just this constant reminder of, oh, yeah, this, this is what I am. This is who I am. So if you're at a party and you meet someone like, oh, cool. Hey, what's your name? Oh, my name's Chris. Oh, all right. Awesome. What do you do? Instead of saying, oh, I'm a coffee roaster, I'd say something like, yeah, I'm passionate about sharing stories with people. And not only does that speak more to who I am as a person, but it also invites a little bit more conversation. It's almost more mysterious and it's more intriguing and people want to know more about it, which in turn gets you talking more about what you do and what you love. So, whoa, okay, you tell stories? Like, what does that mean? I was like, yeah, I think the world's a really interesting place. I think everybody has their own unique challenges and I like to find those and share those with people. Oh, so do you do you like run a media company? What no? Like, oh no, I actually I'm part owner of a coffee roasting company that I have with my friends, but a lot of what we do is in sharing our story with everybody, sharing information, sharing training techniques, and hopefully people can benefit from what we've learned and that can make their lives better in some kind of big meaningful way. It's just this simple little exercise that I think is really, really powerful because it's so easy to identify yourself with what you do. And it's really, you're so much bigger than that. If someone asks like, what's up with you? You're not just a barista or you're not just a coffee roaster. That's like when you're tired and you're like, oh, I'm tired. Well, you're not tired. You feel tired, but you're you're so much more than that. So actively thinking about your passions, figuring out what those are. And then the second tip that I have for trying to find your sweet spot is to look backwards. So we were talking about all these new job offerings or you know job descriptions that were going to come online. There's going to be so much more opportunity as we grow. And Sam was like, well, even before these things are released, is there a way that I can read through them and kind of figure out where I might best fit in and then just kind of go from there and start planning? And I think this is almost the wrong way to think about it. This is kind of putting cart before the horse because if we're not actively thinking about what's motivating us at the core, we're in danger of slotting ourselves in a position that we don't really resonate with, not intentionally, but it'll just be kind of haphazard like, oh yeah, this sounds pretty good. This is this seems like a great new opportunity. I'm going to do this. And we can start to do this like little self-fulfilling prophecy in that there's this position that's available. I really want to take it because everybody wants to feel like they can have more impact. Everybody wants to progress. Everybody wants to make more money. So there's a lot of pressure to take positions as they become available. In that, I think people start to squeeze their ideals into this position and they just kind of become this chameleon. So my advice was do some journaling, look backwards. And this is an idea that is borrowed from Simon Sinek. And if you haven't read Start With Why, it's one of the best reads ever, especially if you're thinking about things like this and trying to find out what's motivating you and where your why comes from. When he talks about finding his why, he talks about it as a process of discovery and not a process of invention. So you can't find your why by doing future planning, looking forward, looking at market trends and trying to predict where things will go. You find your why by looking backwards, looking at your whole life up until now and finding repeating patterns of things that gave you energy, motivated you, and just really got you jazzed. So 
he tells a story about how he started a business. He made it past that three-year mark and for all intents and purposes was really successful. They were making money. They're doing big things, but he didn't feel energized and he realized that it's not because of you know, his business is just, he didn't know why he was in this business and he needed to figure out why he was doing what he was doing. He turned around and started searching. And what he found was throughout his life, he was always the forever optimist. He was always there really trying to motivate people, energize people, get them excited and pump them up to do the things that they wanted to do. And through this process, he found that his why was to inspire people to do the things that inspire them. And this revelation kind of reshaped the way he thought about everything. And then he started with why and everything that he did and basically changed the game. I can't recommend the book enough. You should check it out. But everybody has these things that have been kind of constants and it's really easy to forget about them. I have done this time and time again. I've gotten lost specifically with coffee trying to be who I thought everybody else wanted me to be or who I thought I needed to be to progress in the industry. And it just wasn't for me being a barista, but never really being comfortable with being a manager, but figuring, well, maybe I have to be a manager because that's just what happens. That's how it works. You know, you get a job, you start working on the register, you start making coffee, and then eventually you manage people. But I'm horrible at managing people. I'm a horrible people wrangler. I'm not a great on the floor motivator like that. It's just not my sweet spot. So I felt really lost. So flip that thing around. Think about the times when you felt like you were the most effective, when you were making the most progress, and when you felt like you were in that flow state, you were the most happy, you were the most excited. Start there. Now, once you identify what those major motivators for you are, then you can search for overlap in job opportunities. So basically, you have these core philosophies. And let's say there's three jobs available. The one that's going to be best for you is the one that's going to allow you to use more of those philosophies, engage more of, I don't know, what you call your true self. And I think that's a better way to do it than starting with the job description and working backwards. But this brings up another problem, especially if you work in a smaller organization. Smaller organizations have less job opportunities just because they're simply smaller. So you may not have the luxury of picking and choosing the job that quote unquote best fits with your style or best fits with your sweet spot. Now, this doesn't mean that you have to pass up a job opportunity and it doesn't mean that you should forget about your motivations. It just means that you have to think about them even more and figure out a way to plug your passion, plug your motivations into the current context of the job that you want. So different people will do different things in different ways. Several different educators will have several different styles of teaching, several different training methods, and each of them are gonna be better for that particular person. And I think those things are based off of, you know, what people's sweet spot are. I guess a good example would be barista competitions. If you take someone like myself and someone like Jared, I was always really energized by Jared's just like stage presence and his on stage energy. He was amazingly friendly, unfallibly like, you know, he's smiling. He's just hyped. He's got this like bouncy energy and it's kind of quirky and fun. And I really, really like that. And I wanted to borrow some of that. And I can remember sometimes I would borrow a little bit 
too much of that. And I would do these competition run-throughs where I was just basically emulating Jared. And the feedback that I got from a lot of people was, you know, it's good, but something doesn't seem quite right. It's not super effective and it just doesn't really feel like you. And I had to go back in and figure out, okay, like what does that mean to feel like me? And I discovered that this free-flowing style really didn't work for me. I was at my best when I was incredibly rehearsed, planned movements down to a T, a little bit more robotic. In fact, I had to figure out a way to dial just a little bit more fun into it because I could be really, really stoic, really hardcore, really aggressive, really to the point. And that was just where I shined the most. So even though I wanted to have this really bubbly, crazy, bouncy, fun, carefree, right on kind of stage presence, it really wasn't me. And I would use this idea to kind of rethink the position that you're in. And I think your organization will appreciate this. Yes, you have to hit certain metrics. You have to get certain benchmarks. But ultimately, if you want to be the most effective, whatever you're going to be, let's say if you want to be the most effective educator, if you can create a system that accentuates your strength, your employer should love that. So if you don't have the luxury to kind of create your own unique path, just think about how you can use your strengths in the paths that you got. So I hope that's helpful for some of you. And Sam, I'm really psyched that you're thinking about some of these things. And I don't mean to put you on this huge stage or put you on blast, but I think it's really, really interesting. And these are things that I think about all the time. And it's good to kind of jog your memory and really focus on the things that are super important to you. I'm just gonna leave it at that. Hope everyone has an awesome Friday. If you're in Santa Cruz tomorrow, come visit us. And we're gonna get back on the uber long podcast train when Jared gets back, I promise. All right, y'all, stay dialed. Peace.